Over the past uh, few months, we have been looking at the Old and New Testaments for uh, gaining an understanding. Said two weeks ago that Jesus talked about the secrets of the kingdom, and he taught about the kingdom in four different ways that not only seems mysterious, but seems kind of weird and doesn't really fit rationally. We said that Jesus initially, when he began to preach, spoke of the kingdom as being near, it being within grasp. It's almost here. Um, history is pregnant with the coming of God's kingdom. Jesus also spoke of the kingdom as being now present in his ministry as he uh, ministered to different ones and in different ways. He would say the kingdom of God is here. It has come upon you. But Jesus also spoke of the kingdom being in the future, sometime a long way away at the end of history. And then finally, Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God as being delayed. It's near, it's now, it's future, it's delayed. And we um, asked the question, well, is it, what is it? Is it here, is it near, is it delayed, or is it in the distant future? And the answer is yes. It is all of those all simultaneously. And that is the real mystery of the kingdom, that it is always simultaneously here, near, delayed, and future. And understanding that is going to help us make sense out of a lot of things including our Christian lives, which we talked about last week, when I taught that we as Christians are also here, near, delayed, and future people, which helps clarify why Christians sometimes are so weird. Now, we have, through these uh, studies over these last couple of months, seen that Jesus, in the coming of Jesus, his life, his ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, through the coming of the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, there was a releasing of the powers of the coming age into this present world, even yet while this present age continues, this present evil age as the scriptures speak of it. We're also aware, however, that Jesus intended for his disciples and those who would follow after them to continue this ministry that he had started. In Matthew 10, Jesus charged the 12 disciples to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, announce the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, cast out demons. You receive without payment, give without payment. Basically, do what I've taught you to do. Do what you've seen me doing. In Luke 10.1, we're told that Jesus then sent out 72 of his followers to do the same thing. We're told a couple verses later, they came back and said, wow, we could dally, it works. It's really cool. Then in John 14.12, Jesus says his followers are even going to do greater works than what he did as a result of his going to the Father. And we now, of course, know in hindsight through the coming and the living and indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. And then Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts 1, all speak of and clearly articulate Jesus' commission that all who follow him are to go into the world announcing and demonstrating the kingdom of God. So a significant question that we need to ask ourselves is, if we are called to participate in the ministry of Jesus, must we simply wait passively and hope for it to happen? Is it something that we can only ask for in prayer? Or is there something that we can actually do to participate with God in inviting his kingdom to come so that it will in fact come? Is there a key that Jesus has put into our hands so that if we put that key into the lock and turn the key, the door will open and the kingdom will come through? And the answer is definitely yes. In fact, not only is it the case, but this is clearly the calling that is laid upon us by Jesus. For he said in Matthew 16:19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I know that lots of people have taught a lot of things about that particular passage, but at, at the very core and the heart of it, is this truth and the understanding that Jesus, through his ministry and life, was going to and did in fact give to his disciples and to us followers after them keys to the kingdom to see it come. And um, so I want to talk about that. But let's pray first. Father, thank you that uh, you are with us, 
that you are uh, here among us. That as we uh, sang songs and uh, had fun singing uh, songs of praise to you, Lord, that you danced around the room with us. Your Holy Spirit was here just kind of laughing with us as we laughed and sang and played. You are a great dad. You are always looking out for us. And I just ask that you would help uh, us right now as we consider uh, this topic again. What, what does it mean? How can we participate? How do we engage and initiate? How do we, how do we see your kingdom come? What's our part? And then, Lord, from that, help us to do it. That we might, in fact, see your kingdom come more and more and more in this world. In our families, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Father, I just also ask for those who are guests with us this morning who have come uh, particularly looking for something. They may not even know what it is. It might be you. It might be a church. It might be meaning and purpose. It might be an answer to a question. But I just welcome you to meet them here today. That truly your kingdom would be present. And they would know your love for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Though in one way I grew up uh, hearing and uh, the stories about Jesus, it really wasn't until I got involved in the vineyard in 1982 that I began to really learn about the message and ministry of Jesus and to begin to grasp the significance of what Jesus did when he announced and demonstrated the kingdom. I've shared on uh, numerous other times, John Wimber was uh, one of the founding pastors in the vineyard churches and uh, John himself was very influenced in the 1970s by the teaching of, on the kingdom by Dr. George Ladd of Fuller Seminary, where I also went to seminary in the early 80s, which is where I met John Wimber and also learned further about the kingdom. And Carol um, Wimber wrote a book um, a number of years ago after John passed away called The Way It Was. She's also done a number of um, video clips and things through the years. And Carol uh, tells and describes sort of John's grasping this understanding of the kingdom, these keys to the kingdom. And she describes it this way. She says, John was reading George Ladd's book, The Gospel of the Kingdom, while he was also reading through the book of Mark. And it struck John that God has a right to rule. And that all we have to do is ask. And that it's not happening because we're not asking. And that God has apparently put this on us that we have to ask. We have a right when someone is sick to ask the king to come and to rule in that situation. We have the right, yes, and the obligation, therefore, to take the message of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, which is that we have a king. He has a right to rule, that things do not have to stay the same, and that we can experience the now of the powers of the coming age. That is the gospel. So that was what was in John's head and mind and spirit as this whole thing of the vineyard and that era of ministry began to happen and it was proven out. Carol still speaking. John would teach the teachings of Jesus. One time it was on the crippled man that was healed. Then he would ask the king to come. And sure enough, that night he taught in the crippled man, a crippled girl got healed. Later that night, John was standing in their kitchen with a glass of milk and he said, I tell the story of Jesus. I ask him to come and then he does it. And Carol says, at that moment, the power of God hit him like a million volts of electricity. The milk went flying out of his glass. He caught himself on the counter and he looked at Carol and he said, I think we're on to something here, Carol Kay. Well, in this story, Carol and John have identified three of what I would advocate are the keys of seeing more of God's kingdom come. John said, I tell the story of Jesus. This is the announcement of the kingdom. It is one of the keys to seeing God's kingdom come, the announcement. John then said, then I ask him to come. This is the prayer of the kingdom. And then he does it, John said. That's the demonstration of the kingdom. 
And there is, I believe, in addition to those three, one more key that is also needed to unlock the door of experiencing more of God's future kingdom in our lives, in our church, in our families, our work, our neighborhoods and city. And that is the expectation of the kingdom. So I want to talk this afternoon. It doesn't say morning. I, I, that's, you know, 10 years of saying good morning and all that stuff. Man, this is tough to break. Anyway. So let's talk this afternoon a bit more about these four keys of the kingdom. And um, I am not going to be able to adequately uh, really explain each one of these. Uh, as I was thinking about it this afternoon, I was thinking, you know, really, I needed a week on each one of these. We don't have that. I'm going to I'm going to wrap up this material now. It's Christmas next week. And then come January, we're going to kind of launch into a new section of it. So I'm just going to give you kind of a brief presentation of these four keys. Probably it's all you can handle anyway. Um, but I, I hope you get them because they're absolutely crucial. Now, before we talk about the four keys, I've got to say this. These keys are not a formula. They're not do steps one, two, three, and four, and the kingdom will appear. They're also not magic, like abracadabra and the kingdom comes. We live in the tension, as we have been talking about, in the already and the not yet of the kingdom. Yes, God's kingdom is here. It is available, it's reachable, it's near. It is here and now, but it is also detained in future. As well as the fact that we still live in and continue to be a part of this evil age. And there are also other hindrances to God's kingdom coming. The sabotaging efforts of the evil one. The will of human beings. And the faithfulness and commitment of God's kids to walk life out using these keys. But to the extent that you and I really get this and learn to use these keys, I believe with all my heart that we will see the kingdom come more than otherwise. So let's learn about these four keys. Firstly, the first key to seeing God's kingdom come is expectation. To see the kingdom come, we need to have a kingdom expectation. And I I would suggest that our problem is not that God is not powerful enough. God is all-powerful, we're taught in the Word of God. Or that His kingdom is not ready to break in. It is. But our perception of what God can do is too small. So what we need to see happen is we need to see our expectations grow to the point of what um, we would call a fully dimensional kingdom expectation. We need God to expand our understandings, to enlarge our hearts, and to grow us until we have that kind of expectation. So how do we do that? How does that happen? Or again, is there something we can do to see that expectation increase? And I would say, yeah, there's about three or four things I want to touch on. Firstly, we need to develop kingdom sight. Uh, when I was in seminary, my uh, leadership professor, uh, Bobby Clinton, used to talk about learning to have leadership eyes. And what he meant by that was the ability as a leader to be able to identify and spot and see emerging leaders. And in a, a similar way, we need to be able to have kingdom eyes or kingdom sight so that we can see and notice and, and see in front of us kingdom dynamics that are happening. They're happening all around us. Jesus said, my father is always at work. So there is not a day, there's not a moment, there's not a year, there's not uh, uh, any time where God is not at work around us. He's always around. The, the issue is us seeing it. And so we need to be able to acquire kingdom eyes that look with expectation and understanding at the world and circumstances of our lives and see the kingdom of God at work. Again, part of the reason why this would take so long to teach is, is examples, real life examples that I can give to you about the process in my own life of coming to these understandings. I've told this story a bunch, but so therefore I can kind of like, you remember story number A, and I can go on because so many, but there's some of you here that don't know story A. Um, I'm at work. Uh, it was uh, 10 years ago when Claire and I first moved here. I worked at um, Council on Independent Living. It was a nonprofit. I was a bookkeeper uh, for them. And uh, as a part of that, I managed the medical um, insurance kind of stuff for the employees. And um, um, I had one of the employees uh, come to me and say, hey, Randy, do you have any aspirin? I've got a headache. And I said, sure. And I 
I did in my little bag of tricks. I had some aspirin. I gave him a cup of Tylenol. And then I said, can I pray for you? And uh, that was that kingdom sight happening. Somebody's walked up to me and they've got a headache. Ding, 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 ding. A kingdom opportunity. Let me give you some Tylenol. Thanks. Bye. I gave him the Tylenol. It's okay. Helps me most of the time. And then I said, can I pray for you? He said, sure. Put my hand on his shoulder, prayed for him. He wandered off. Week or so later, couple weeks, I don't know the timing exactly. I was there early. I was. Uh, I did my hours early in the morning so that I could be free to work with the church plant in the afternoons and evenings. I was there early. He came in early. He had been playing basketball the night before. He had gotten hit uh, in the eye by a, a hand or the ball. I don't really know what. And he's looking for some medical insurance support and help from me on being able to go to the doctor and get some help or emergency or something to get some help on this thing. And so I give him that. And then I say, can I pray for you? Ding, 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 ding. Kingdom opportunity. But I mean, I'm a little intimidated, honestly. You know, I mean, I prayed for the guy last time. He might say, what are you, crazy? This is what he said to me. Well, it worked last time. I might as well do it again. Cool. Love when that happens. Kingdom eyes. We've got to be aware. God is always at work. And a cool thing about this is Jesus says just a few verses after that in John chapter 4, he says, and my father shows me what he's doing. You see, the father, father doesn't want to work alone. I, I'm a dad. I don't like working alone. I like my sons and daughters helping me. We had a flood in our house this morning. We're... Yes, I'm serious. I'm I'm working on my sermon back in the office. The family's sitting around chit-chatting, you know, in leisurely Sunday morning fashion, you know, sitting around just chit-chatting. And and their eye gets caught with our dog slipping on the floor. She fell. Oh, Isabel, my granddaughter, fell down. I wasn't in the room. Didn't see it happen. And all of a sudden she is, they notice she is laying in two inches of water. Not a quarter of an inch, not a little, two inches. There was this, you know, this tidal wave. You know, it was like uh, like the Red Sea was put back together and it was coming. And so all hands on deck, everybody runs out. We get towels and uh, Daniel runs and gets the, the power vac thing and starts sucking the house out of there. Anyway, it was uh, incredible. But anyway, I'm a dad. I like working together with them. They got it all under control. I went back and worked on my sermon. You're right. So anyway, so... God likes to participate with us. Okay. I was saying something about that, but let me move on. Learn to have kingdom eyes. The Father's always at work, and he wants you to help him. Another thing that we can do to help us with kingdom expectation is read the Bible. New thought. Read the Bible. But... Read it with a particular view in mind. Read it with eyes to see the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the principles as well as the promises. Read the Old Testament as well as the new. Look for God as king. Look for God breaking into history. Because that's, that's a part of what the kingdom is. It's God breaking into the moment in the present with his power and his uh, kingdom deeds. Look for promises and principles of the kingdom and pay a special attention to Jesus, how he relates to others, what he says, what he does, because Jesus is the perfect example of someone who lived with a kingdom perspective and a kingdom expectation. And then notice how the disciples lived out the kingdom in the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible. You can you can see it in there. You know, Paul's walking along and there's this demonized girl who's kind of chasing them, going, I know who you are. You are the, you know, the, pro- the somebodies of God, the really important people of God kind of a thing. I don't have that text memorized. And they, she was doing this for about two or three days. And she was, a, uh, she was a fortune teller for her master. She was a slave, a fortune teller. And she had a connection with the supernatural. And she, was, she knew who Paul and Barnabas, I don't know if it was Paul and Barnabas at that time or who it was that was with Paul at that point. But anyway, finally... Paul is just kind of, you know, he lets it go for a couple of days. Finally, he turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out. Spirit leaves the girl, and she's a regular human being again. And her masters figure out that she can't prophesy and do read 
hands and all that stuff anymore. And they, so they get throw Paul in jail and do whatever they're going to do to him. But anyway, kingdom moment. Kingdom eyes. Kingdom ability. We, we can see it. We'll just watch them. They're just going through their regular... Paul's teaching. It's late. He's teaching for about six, eight hours. It's two o'clock in the morning. Little boy sitting in the window, two-story house. Falls asleep, falls... Not, yeah, Paul is teaching, actually. It's Book of Acts, so. Falls out of the window, you know, no screen over it, no bars, you know, like we would have today. Falls out and hits the ground. The disciples run down. All it says is Paul touched him and he rose up. It doesn't say the boy was dead. doesn't say he was unconscious. didn't say he was happy either. I speculate that he was dead or seriously injured. Paul raised him up. There's a point where Paul himself is stoned, left for dead by those who stoned him. And the disciples gathered around him and looked at him. Guy, what happened? What are we going to do? Paul's dead. My gosh, we better go home. Is that what they did? No, it doesn't say what they did. It says they gathered around him and he got up and continued his ministry. Kingdom moment. My gosh, Paul's dead. What are we going to do? Somebody pray for him to come back to life. I mean, Jesus did. Why can't Paul? Kingdom moments. They're happening all around us. Read the Bible. It's a really good book. Another thing that you can read are history of revivals. Seeing how God's kingdom has come in the past through the centuries can increase our understanding and expectation. There is a wonderful book called God's Generals, um, which is a story of about 10, 12 uh, really significant men and women who um, had just very, very profound ministries during primarily the 1900s, although I think a couple of them started in the, in the late 1800s. But uh, they're just wonderful stories, and, and you read them, your mouth just kind of drops open. They're real easy to read. They're only about five or seven pages. And they're messed up people, for sure. Uh, but God used them in profound ways. John G. Lake, uh, we also own a, a book. It's about this thick, about 800 pages that Clara read. And, and, and I remember when the, the season when she was, I haven't read that book. It's too long for me. But I remember when she was reading, I mean, just tears running down her eyes at, at the stories of how God used these people. Wonderful way of heightening our expectations and understandings. Friends, most of these people are, are not normal. Most of them are really subnormal. They're kind of weirdos. Mostly, like a lot like a lot of us here in this room, I think. Anyway, yes, I resemble that remark. Anyway, um, God, you know, Jesus, in some place it says this in the Bible. Somewhere it says in the Bible. Paul even did that one time. Um, it, it talks about God picking, Jesus selecting, you know, not the rich and not the famous of the world. You know, sleazy old fishermen and shepherds and tax collectors, slime balls. And not all of you are that, I'm, I know, but uh, some of us are. So anyway, read about those kind of people. They're very, very cool. Wesleyan Revival, Jonathan Edwards Revival, the Welsh Revival, the Pentecostal Revival, the East African Revival, the Andrew Murray Revival, the Indonesian Revival, the Toronto Renewal. Ever heard of any of those? Okay, read about them. Another thing you can do, we're still talking about expectation, key number one. Another thing you could do, hang out with people who are further along than you. There's nothing like seeing the kingdom happen to change your expectations. That's, that's what Claire and I did in the early days. I mean, I can remember the very, very first night we visited uh, the vineyard. We uh, had some uh, very close friends who were taking a class at Fuller uh, on signs, wonders, and church growth. Uh, Claire and I uh, were attending a, a church. I'm not going to say the pastor's name because I don't want to slime him in any way, but it was a very, very non-charismatic, non-gifts um, kind of church. And so our friends were attending this class, and, and they got zapped by God and didn't want to tell us about it, but we wrangled their necks until they told us about it. And then we went and visited a church service with them. Um, so there were six of us from our little Baptist church that snuck away from Sunday night Baptist church and went down to the vineyard, which was uh, Calvary Chapel, Yorba Linda at the time. 
And uh, at the end of the service, they did what we do here. They give a few words of knowledge, a few prophetic words, and they invite people to come for prayer. And in that era, they, um, it was about 2,500 people. It was a high school auditorium, high school gymnasium, excuse me. And they used the gymnastics room off to the side for doing ministry. So you, you, you had to go into the back room, had to leave the main room. We don't make you do that uh, here. Um, but anyway, that's a whole other story of John's, and you can read about it in the way it was. By Carol. Um, so we're there. It's our first night, and I remember I've told this. This is this is story B. Everybody laugh. No. Um, when we walked in, we're Baptists, right? We walk into the the lobby of this gymnasium, and then we step through a set of double doors, like are here, and I, and I physically felt a weight rest down on me, and the room was thick. I, I don't have, I, that's all the words I have for it. It was, it was thick. People were standing, it was hot in there too. It was January, February and it was hot. Uh, Joy, our eldest daughter who's here, was, was one years old. She's now 25-ish, somewhere thereabouts. It's a long time ago. We're clearing our old. Anyway, and so uh, we're there. And uh, at the end of the service, there's a bunch of words of uh, knowledge for people there with hearing conditions. Well, it just so happened that one of the gals that came with us, one of the six, had had significant hearing loss to the degree that she practically couldn't hear anymore and use sign language primarily to relate to uh, people. And so there's all these words about you know hearing conditions. And finally, John Wimber, uh, the pastor there at the time, just says, man, there's just an anointing here tonight for hearing conditions. If you have any need for prayer for that, just go into the back room. So the other two couples, Claire, Claire and I go, we'll get the kids and we'll go to the car and wait for y'all. You guys go have fun in the back room. And, uh, you know, we're Baptists. We're, we're attending a church that does not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the time. We have had teaching about that, though we ourselves were, were in this weird place where we, we couldn't, couldn't really grasp that they weren't for today, but we weren't experiencing it either. So anyway, we're out at the car, and um, our friends are in there, and at some point, uh, uh, not the gal who had the hearing condition, but the gal who had been the uh, student fuller uh, comes out to the vehicle and says, she's just all excited and bubbly, and just, you just, you'll never believe me. You'll just never believe me. you just got to go in and see it. got to go and see it. And Claire goes, no way. <laughs> I'm not going in there. I said, I'll go. <laughs> So uh, Clara stayed, but I left. I went in the back room, and, and my friend Richard, my Baptist friend Richard, who I had been working with in some discipleship, was on the floor, shaking violently, hands twitching, arms kicking, and babbling in tongues. Well, my friend Richard doesn't do that stuff. I, I saw him at the Baptist church every week. He didn't do that. But that night he was doing it. And lo and behold, what had happened was it was Richard's wife that was getting prayer. And they'd gone into the back room. And, and one of the vineyard pastors started praying for the wife. And, and being trained to have kingdom eyes to see what's happening, looks over at Richard, who's got his eyes closed and squinting and who knows what he's doing. And his lips are mumbling. And the vineyard pastor stops praying for the wife and goes, Holy Spirit, come. And Richard exploded, hit the floor, babbling in tongues. Listen to this story. We had to carry him out, shaking violently. I mean, this doesn't have to happen to you. It has happened to me, but it doesn't have to happen to you. You can get by without this kind of activity, but some Baptists need this kind of activity, I think, because... Maybe what it is. But anyway, we, we carry Richard out, sort of struggling, you know, as if he's fighting us, but he's not. He's just experiencing the, the power of God. We pour him into our little 69 carry-all suburban thing, three people in the front seat, three in the back. He's next to the door, hitting the door all the way home. I thought he was going to bust the window out. We get him home, and we poured him into his bed where he laid for 48 hours continuing this activity. And then the next day, he read his Bible through. And over the next three weeks, he led five construction workers to Christ. Now, I like that story. 
I didn't have that happen last week to me or to anybody I know, but it happened then to my Baptist friend Richard. God's kingdom is around. And it's helpful to be around people who have experienced those kinds of things, who are ministering to others, whether, they, whether you do ministry trips. We used to do that a lot. Clara is uh, planning a trip. What month are you guys going? July to Costa Rica. She's coordinating a youth and adult uh, ministry trip to Costa Rica. You're going to see the stuff and do the stuff. There's something about going away, being a sent one uh, with the kingdom and power of God. That would be a great opportunity for you. Even coming up here and praying with other people who know how to pray. I mean, last week, regular old ministry, and God came on Chris in a pretty profound way. Has on numerous occasions. Have those been okay, Chris? Haven't gotten hurt yet? Gotten any help? All right. You Baptist background, are you? No. Okay. Just checking. Hearing Holy Ghost stories, like I just told you, heighten expectation. So that's a good thing we can do. Developing kingdom expectation is one of the keys to seeing the kingdom of God. But we also need three others. The second key is seeing, to seeing the kingdom of God come is the kingdom prayer. The disciples, like most of us, uh, are not the, we're not the sharpest guys around. But, you know, they noticed Jesus' life and his ministry. And one day they said, hey, Jesus, you, know, you, you got something we don't have. Would you teach us how to pray? And he says, sure. And Jesus begins the kingdom prayer with our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray that prayer, that kingdom prayer, basically we're confessing to God the kind of God that he is. That he is a God who loves to intervene in history and to have his government break in in power. We're praying for his kingship to be established. And when it does come, for him to overturn injustice, heal the sick, liberate captives, forgive sinners, fill people with joy, start the party to end all parties, and all that kind of stuff. And God loves to do that. He is that kind of a God. And so we say, God, won't you, won't you do that today? Won't you be that kind of God for me right now, for my friend who's hurting, for this person at my work, for my neighbor next door? God, come and do that now in the present. And if you know... This whole eschatological kingdom theology stuff that we've been talking about, the kingdom, that is probably the most dangerous prayer you could ever pray. Let your kingdom come. Because we're praying for nothing less than the end of the world. The powers of God's future world, the restoration of all creation, the removal of all injustice, we're praying for all of that to break into the present right now. And God wants to do it. But for some reason, He's left it to us to ask. And that's one of the keys. We have to learn to ask. For his kingdom to come. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. And if you remember at all the early part of this teaching, we talked about the divine name and how intricate it was and how much it was connected to this kingdom theology. Moses asked God, you know, who do I tell you, tell them you are who, you know, who, who that visited me? And God says, I am who I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I will forever be. I am the ever-present one. God is wanting to break into the present. Yes, God is a part of the future. Yes, God's a part of the past. But he wants to break into the future. So we need to learn to pray, your kingdom come. It is a key prayer. And if you were to pray that prayer and God were to answer that prayer, your family, your church, your city, your neighborhood, your country will be transformed. It is a huge prayer. And by the way, this prayer is essentially the same as the prayer that John Wimber used to use when he said, come Holy Spirit. And the reason it's the same is because when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, he brought and established the kingdom of God. That's what he brought. 
That's what, that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do. They establish the kingdom of God in our midst. Come Holy Spirit is the same prayer as let your kingdom come. It's a good prayer. And you might, I don't have, I'm not going to take time uh, to, to work through it, but in Acts chapter 4, there is a time when the early church is under a lot of persecution and they come together for a prayer meeting at the church and they, their voices are raised up. And if you'll read through that prayer, you'll see that it parallels the principles of the Lord's Prayer. It's not a repetition. They're not repeating the exact words like we often do in our culture, in our religious experience today. But it is taking the very principles of that prayer and applying them to their circumstance. And that's what we need to learn to do. So once we've expanded our kingdom expectation, we've learned the kingdom prayer, then we can begin the kingdom announcement. The third key to seeing the kingdom come is the kingdom announcement. The way it worked in Jesus is illustrated by this particular word written in Greek and selected by the New Testament. In the Greco-Roman culture, when the emperor was giving a new edict, a new law, and the way it got communicated out to the empire was not through a fax machine. It wasn't through email. It wasn't through CNN or Fox News. Because as you all know, being very clever people, those things didn't exist then. But there were these particular delegated officials who were called heralds who had, and they, their name was not Harold, H-A-R-O-D. They were H-E-R. Yeah, anyway, you got it. All right. They had, interestingly enough, they had immunity from being arrested. They couldn't be arrested, kind of cool. And they would ride on horses, and they would go from town to town, and in every village there was a place given to them to make the announcement of this edict or this law. And when they rode into town, the marketplace would, would empty, they would all gather in that location, and the herald would say, thus says Caesar. And then they would give their presentation, whatever it was. And according to Roman law, as the words proceeded out of their mouth, that law became binding in that town. Prior to that, it was, it, it was only binding wherever it had been spoken. And so that word event became a lawful event. And when the apostles tried to find a word to describe what they saw happening in the ministry of Jesus about this announcement, that's the word they used. The words of Jesus became events. The words of Jesus unleashed the works of Jesus. He looked, he'd look at a crippled person and he'd say, rise. And they laid there and looked at him. Is that what happened? No. They got up. That word had become an event. The connection and the power of God in that moment rang. He would look at a storm and he would say, be still. And after about five or ten minutes, it would calm down, right? No. Instantly, the scriptures say. Time and time again, we're told in the Gospels that Jesus went all around, Judea and the nation around, preaching and announcing the kingdom of God and healing all the sick. The demonstration of the kingdom was the result of the announcement of the kingdom. And if, there, if there's one moment where the key is put into the lock and the door opens and the powers of the coming age break into the present, it's this word on the lips of Jesus making the announcement and unleashing the future age. And that is, therefore, then the final key to seeing the kingdom come is the demonstration of the kingdom. Seeing the actual activities of the future age, people getting healed, people getting saved, people being uh, raised from the dead, storms being stilled, sins being forgiven, lives being restored. That's how it worked for Jesus and the disciples to see the kingdom of God come in power to touch and heal and change lives and circumstances. And that's an exciting thing to see. But the real awesome and the real crazy thing is that Jesus has commanded us to do exactly the same thing. As you go, as you leave tonight, as you drive to work tomorrow, as you go to the market later this week, as you meet your neighbor next door and wave at them when you're getting the newspaper in the morning. As you go, he said the disciples, preach this message. Not just, you know, any old message, not some nice ideas about brotherly love and world peace, 
But this message, the kingdom of heaven is near, is at hand. And what does that mean? That means that the powers of the end of the world, God's future world, where he is going to renew creation, where he's going to do all the things that were identified in the books of Isaiah and Daniel and Revelation, where those things are going to come to pass. History is pregnant with its any moment arrival. And in fact, tonight, well, it's almost tonight, this afternoon, in this meeting, God's kingdom is going to come. That's what it means. You're telling people God is going to show up. And in that text, in Matthew 10, Jesus then sort of kind of assumes that if you announce it, it'll happen. As you go, preach this message. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy. Freely you've been given, freely give. As you go, preach the message and the demonstration will follow. That is the message and ministry of Jesus, and that's what he has commanded us to say and do. But most of us are not seeing those kinds of things happen very often. And I might advocate it, I did at the beginning, because we need to participate. We need a kingdom expectation. We need to cultivate that through the kinds of ways I described. We need to understand this kingdom prayer that we have an obligation and responsibility to welcome and invite God's kingdom to come. Whether it be in your life in that moment, whether it be uh, in another person's life, whether it be in a circumstance or a situation. And then we have to be about announcing the kingdom. The good news that there is a God who makes a difference and can make a difference and wants to make a difference right now. There's a challenge with all that. Because what happens if you announce this at your community group or at your work or at your school and nothing happens? Then you feel foolish. You look foolish and you are foolish. And then you never want to do it again. So like it was for Jesus and for the disciples... Seeing the kingdom come involves risk. You have to be willing to take the risk of being a fool for Jesus, which was the name of a talk that John Wimber gave, which was, I'm a fool for Christ, who's fool are you? Because there's another very real challenge in all this, is that even when we have applied all four keys of the kingdom, Kingdom expectation, kingdom prayer, kingdom announcement, kingdom demonstration. We are not assured of seeing the kingdom show up. There is going to be times when we do all the above and there will be great demonstration of the kingdom. Last Sunday that happened. I invited some folks to come up to give some prophetic words. There are about six or seven words for individuals here. Um, we could probably ask some of you now we could do you know how did it go but I know particularly that there was a young woman here who was here for the very first time and when I looked at her I knew that there was something for her but I didn't get it but bless her heart Martha did I spoke to that young woman afterwards and she was in the midst of a tremendously tumultuous time in her life and God picked her out of the crowd that afternoon to tell tell her he loved her God's kingdom showed up I felt a little risky. I felt a little foolish. I stood up here. I didn't get any prophetic. It's not true. I got one prophetic. And I was embarrassed to give it because I couldn't remember their names. But I gave it to them afterwards. Because everybody else was going, you know, you over there. Anyway. God's kingdom showed up. But sometimes it doesn't. There's going to be other times where not much happens. And honestly, we need to not take credit or blame either way. We just need to be obedient, to make the announcement, to have the expectation, to pray the prayer, and to be available for the demonstration. We don't heal anybody. We don't restore anyone. We are a vessel. We're a conduit, a pipe. God's kingdom comes down and through us. Sometimes we're a clogged pipe. That can happen. And we need to get unclogged. And sometimes we need ministry ourselves. So sometimes wonderful things are going to happen. Sometimes nothing's going to happen. And in those cases, honestly, we need to be honest about it. 
We need to just be honest and simply say, well, guess we'll try it again next week. Because that's the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom is already here, but it's not yet. So it's not a formula. It's not magic. It remains a mystery. But to the extent that we walk in this regularly, simply, and out of obedience, we will see more and more and more of God's kingdom come. And then I'm going to close with just like four tips, sort of ministry tips, that can help you as you welcome the kingdom. Firstly, you cannot manipulate God. You can't turn Him on like a switch. So it's no use ranting and raving, shouting, spitting, bellowing, sucking in, breathing, and all the other funny things that Christians sometimes do. doesn't help. And most of the time, probably the best thing to do is simply wait in silence. Last week, the time we waited felt really long. I don't know what it felt like to you, but I was standing up here and it felt really long. It was probably a walloping minute and a half. Derek Morphew, who was teaching through these materials last June at a vineyard conference where I was, said that the longest he's ever waited is 12 minutes, which would probably feel like an eternity. But he remembers the time being at John Wimber's church back in the 80s when Claire and I probably wouldn't have been around, where John had 2,500 people and they waited for 30 minutes. And this is kind of a cute little story I've got here. I can find it. It's on one of my other points, but it fits here. Where is it? Oh, John Wimber used to be asked by people after you know he prayed the kingdom prayer, let your kingdom come. John, why do you stand there with your arms folded, chewing gum and looking cool? That's what they were seeing. And John says, because I don't have a clue of what's going to happen. And I'm silently praying, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, you better show up. And that's what I was praying last week. And he did. He loves it when we make the announcement. He loves us stepping over the edge. He loves coming. And so do it. Step over the edge. But we can't manipulate it. But we can cry out to Him. Also, don't manipulate people. It's not all about somebody's faith. It's about God. It's about what God can do, not about what we can do or can't do. So we don't want to manipulate people. Another really key um, kind of tip here is do what you see the Father is doing. I, I made I, Earlier I talked about that element of, you know, somebody comes up to you and says, do you have any Tylenol? Hmm. Father, are you doing anything here? I mean, they came to me. They didn't go to Sally over here in her cubicle. They came to me. Are you doing something? You no know words, no lightning bolts, just this little excitement, just this little tremor inside of you. It's, what is that? It's just anticipation. It's expectation. It's the kingdom of God rising up in you. Take it. Can I pray for you? David, you prayed for, we don't tell the story, but you prayed for somebody at work. Pretty significant situation a year ago? Two years ago. So you can tell that Holy Ghost story sometime. That would be helpful. Anyway, learn to see what the Father is doing. Follow God like a little puppy following its mother. If you've invited the Spirit to come and you see the Holy Spirit moving in a certain way, just announce it. Sometimes it's like that. We're, we're looking out. We're looking for what the Spirit's doing. You might say, well, how can you see the Holy Spirit? You can't see. He's invisible. Well, yes. We can't see wind either. But we can see the effect of wind. It rustles the trees and the bushes. And so the Spirit of God, who is called wind. So we see the effect of the Spirit of God on people. People's faces shimmer. Sometimes they look like they've just left the meeting, not to go to the bathroom, but just sort of they're just somewhere else. And 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 we simply are able to see that, and we just point it out and say, "Look, the Spirit of God's right there. God's God's ministering to that person." That's what we need to learn to do. That even even when it's happening to a person, 
You're praying for them. You're seeing these things. It, it increases expectation in them when you, when you acknowledge something. You know, God's really touching you right now. Do you, I, I can see him moving inside you. Do you feel that? Yeah, I do. What is it? I don't get it. I, I'm scared. What is that? Uh, very, very, very common here in the vineyard, and probably in lots of churches, but in our churches, is people to cry during worship, and they don't have a clue. First-time guests... Often, first-time guests. The music's just as bad. No, that's not it. That's not it. The presence of God is here when His people welcome Him and sing love songs to Him. And people experience His presence in that way. So we need to learn to see what the Father is doing. We also need to learn to bless what God is doing. In a similar way to seeing it, we need to acknowledge it and to bless it. Thank you, God. The Holy Spirit's touching that person over there. It's interesting. Sometimes when you point it out, the people around them start thinking, wow, the Holy Spirit's on that person. Uh, I guess maybe I'm in the zone. And, and somebody might go, here, me too, God. And so there's this expectation rises. Well, then there's also the person who says, not me, God. And they usually get it, too. I don't know why that is. Yeah, splash zone. And then another one, and just two more. We have to learn to wait on God. Again, we can't manipulate him. We can't manipulate people. We can't make anything happen. God's either here. His kingdom is present to accomplish something. If I had time, I would have gone into uh, numerous passages where Jesus uh, couldn't do very much. Wasn't much healing going on that day. He had to kind of go, oh, well, guys, sorry, I didn't really work there in that town today. Prayed for a guy who blind. Says, how you doing? Eh, it's kind of blurry still. Can't really see real well. People are kind of like trees walking around. Oh, I missed. Let me try it again. Honest, that was Jesus. Jesus if Jesus did that, what are we going to face? You know, it's okay. Ah, anyway, stories. Okay, we have to wait, learn to wait on God. And then the last one, we need to be alert to the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophetic gifts. Sometimes, as we give a prophetic word, the person receiving that knows within their heart, you know, there's no way this person can know that information about me. And so there's this awakening, this, this, ex, this something that gets set off inside of them. And they're more open to experiencing the kingdom of God at that moment. So we need to learn to grow in welcoming the kingdom of God. We need to grow in kingdom expectation, kingdom prayer, kingdom announcement, and kingdom demonstration. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life, and it's what I want our church to do. It's what I want you all to do. So let's pray and do that. Father, I thank you that you're not a magician. And that you don't use magic, that you use love. Jesus said, all authority and all power has been given to me. Go therefore, as my disciples, and do what I've taught you to do. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Restore those who have been outcasts. Oh, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. I don't want to do anything else. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would stir up your kingdom in our midst. That you would stir up kingdom expectation in us again. Father, for some reason, and something we don't fully understand about all this, we're a part of the equation. We need to learn to ask and welcome you. And we need to have expectation that you're going to come. And we need to not be daunted when you don't and when it's hindered. Father, I'm just reminded of that one time where the disciples, even after having gone out on their ministry trips and come back and declaring that even the demons obey us, that they couldn't 
They couldn't deliver that one little boy. And Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, delivered the boy, and disciples later said, well, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus said, well, that kind requires prayer and fasting. See, there's, there's hindrances, Lord, to things, and, and we just don't understand that it's going to take a little bit more on our part. You're ready to go. But sometimes there's mountains in the way. And you want us to learn to move them in prayer. To speak to those things and tell them to go. And then your healing can come. And then deliverance can come. And then evangelism can go forth. So even right now, we welcome your kingdom. Right now. We just say, come, Holy Spirit. Give us words and pictures. Give us understandings of what you're doing. Give us information that we don't have of what you want to do tonight. And we welcome you. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the Savior. Unclog our pipes. Clean us out. And we might be used by you. Go ahead. I mean, this is where, so that you know where we're headed, can feel somewhat comfortable. What we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and allow those who have received any kinds of impressions or thoughts or ideas. Sometimes the impressions we get are are bracelets of the Holy Spirit, and they are accurate reflections of uh, conditions and things that is happening here. Sometimes they're pizza. I mean, that's that honesty part. variety of ways those come. Sometimes we feel them, we can see them, we get an impression, an idea, we feel it in our body. Uh, Some of those kinds uh, of things are happening. I'm going to give those and then we're going to welcome those of you who relate to those conditions or needs or circumstances to come up and then at that point I'm going to release the service, the rest of you to leave or to come and help or whatever, get your kids and all that. And there are refreshments tonight because one of our members has recently graduated, uh, Miss Camille, and we are happy for her. Stand up. This is Camille. She graduated from school, and we're excited to um, acknowledge that with her. Anyway, so you're welcome to those. Um I had a couple things. One was I had a sense, actually I felt it in my body, um, either someone who currently is experiencing some type of stress in their groin muscle uh, or has experienced that in the past and is occasionally still being bothered by that injury. So that's kind of a word of a physical condition nature. 
somebody that's here presently who uh, might all be currently experiencing or be ongoing experiencing a challenge or difficulty. And what I would say with that is that God would probably, since he's identified you, want to touch and heal you, mend you, uh, or do other things to bless you. Any other words, um, pictures, scriptures? I can I can come to you. Um, I just sense that there's someone here tonight who um, feels very um, just feels like they have done something that is too hard for God to forgive, and so I was really just getting in touch with God's mercy and how much He's, he's willing to forgive you and to do you. Um, Two, uh, one has to do with your your mouth, this front area of your teeth. It, it hurts. So, and then the other one is uh, sharp pains on both arms going up on the inside, which is not me because mine's different. Mine's this way. So this is like starting from like here, going up this way, um, both arms. Um, to someone battling unforgiveness this time of year, there's something that's triggered for you, and that old that old thing is coming back up. And it's just time to come before the Lord again and say, okay, deal with the next layer. So. Um, I have two uh, specific uh, single words. One is... Alveoli, which I think is a lung thing, potentially. Um, And then the other word that I heard was the word molecular. No, um, molecular. So um, that there's something going on at the molecular level. Maybe it's in the blood, blood chemistry. I'm not sure about that. But the other thing that I was sensing is that there's some of you that It's time for you to be released in in being able to give words and to pray for people. And um, there's just some of you that are hungry and have been hungry. And what Randy's been teaching, Randy and the whole crew have been teaching over the last couple of months, has struck a chord in you. And you're like, okay, it's time. I'm ready. I want to go for it. I want to learn to do this. I want to be able to do this myself. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. Daniel, I don't usually do this in the crowd. I don't give words like this. But um, when I looked at you a little while ago or when I, we were praying, uh, the Lord just really clearly pointed you out to me and wanted me just to say to you that there are, there are gifts, there are gracelets that have been stirred up in you in the past that are currently dormant. And he's wanting to stir those up again and he wants you to, to welcome that process. I have a couple of words. Um, one of them I feel is, is corporate, is for our body. Uh, when Randy was speaking earlier uh, about waiting, um, that you know a minute and a half can seem like a lifetime, and when he said the 30-minute one, I just felt like just this heaviness in the pit of my stomach, and I felt like the Lord uh, was saying that this is the time where we're in I don't know if y'all were here before where we were talking about that our church is in like a cocoon stage right now, that the waiting is very significant right now, and that is where he's doing most of the work in us. So it's a word of encouragement to each of and every one of us that if you don't know or you, you waiting is like a, a foreign word to you and you don't really understand it, um, that this is the time to seek that out and find out what it means to wait on God 
because in that place of waiting is where he's going to be knitting us together our own personal walk with the Lord and also as a body. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you to really uh, get before the Lord. And if you don't know what waiting on the Lord is, please seek um, help and understanding in that. Because I really believe that this is a significant time for our church to be in this place of waiting. And we really need to get what that means right now. The other thing... um, is for Rick. Um, I felt the Lord um, on on you when Randy was speaking, and just felt like um, what I saw actually was like a, a stopper just coming out. I just heard the boom, you know, and I just and I just felt like the Lord was saying that this coming year, 07, is going to be a time of releasing for you, and that um, all the prayers that have been poured into your life from even before you were born uh, are going to start to manifest themselves in this world. And, um, and I just really felt like he wants you to seek him so you can get better understanding of what that's going to look like for you next year. But it's coming, so watch out. <laughs> Anything else from anyone? I'll come back to you. It's okay. I get to walk around this way, stretch my legs. Uh, Earlier in the service, I uh, heard a word for this body, and it uh, it confirms what the sister had just said about that uh, the, the Lord is going to bless us, but we do have to learn to wait. And one of the things I learned a long time ago about waiting on the Lord is to wait, and I mean like wait on tables, serve others while you're waiting to hear from the Lord. Anyways, that's, that's what I, I heard this afternoon for y'all. Father, we thank you that you love to be with us that you love to talk to us, you love to touch and heal and mend us. And so we welcome you to do that now. Lord, for those where there have been uh, words of encouragement, where those have been uh, words about uh, physical needs or conditions, Lord, we just uh, welcome you now to uh, bless them, to touch and um, impact them with the fullness of the life of your future kingdom. Lord, we welcome that life of your kingdom, all the blessings uh, that you long for us to have, that we're all convinced we'll have someday, but let it come now. Let it break into this little room and this little crowd and let us be changed and transformed like that butterfly, that that little worm that's in there that's being changed. But let it be those worms that are being transformed into the beauty of of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. If any of these uh, words or encouraging words for, were for you or you just had a sense, some kind of that little thing I mentioned that happens in the chest or stomach pit, there's something that catches you when one of those words uh, was given, I would welcome and invite you to come on up to the front and some of our folks will ask you what's going on and let you pray with them. Some of you, um, there was a number of general words, too, that one about waiting. There was also that word about it's time. Uh, Some of you, too, um, you've been sitting kind of in the stands as spectators, and it's time to get on the playing field as participants. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that come January. That's kind of going to be where we're headed uh, in January. But um, even tonight, the Father wants to initiate that here. And so we just welcome you to come on up for that. We'll have some folks pray for you. The rest of you are released and have a great week and bring some folks next Sunday, four o'clock, when we have a very, very special Christmas Eve service. God bless you all.